Hey, everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your earpods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume into this next Augmenters episode. Hey, yo. Hello, Jimmy. What's going on? How are you? What up? What up? Feeling great. We're going to talk about the ultimate driving machine strategy sprints, the mindset to drive your business forward. I found that this conversation was like the focused sprinting that I don't do, but it gave me a great conversation. It was a deep thinking conversation. I feel like this is a good one. I wished I had had like a cup of ginseng tea while I was recording it. I think you should get some ginseng tea while you're listening to it. Not a bad idea. Grown in the great state of Wisconsin, 98% of it, US made. Shout out Badgers. Shout out Marie. It was really interesting with Simon as he talked a lot about hero mentors and that the kind of archetype or how we build up people who have occurred historically and relate them to our current life. And the term mentor of my mentor really struck and stood out with me. And the OG strategy consultant that was the mentor of Simon's mentor clearly permeates and influences our entire conversation in a very very wonderful way. I feel like I got a lot of very practical tips from this conversation in terms of developing a strategy. The one thing that Simon brought to the conversation that I really struggled with a bit, to be honest with you, was this idea that there is like a framework and there is a system and you just have to follow the framework and the systems and you're going to be able to get to the strategy for growth. Not my strength following directions as they are laid out. However, he did make a pretty convincing case for it. He, he made me feel like maybe I should actually, like if I follow a recipe, not do it backwards or sideways. That's why your souffles are flat, but. <laughs> exactly. Without further ado. Here's Simon. Here we go. Hey, Augmenters, we are so excited to welcome our guest today, Simon Severino. We're very excited to learn all about you, Simon. Take it away. Hey, Julie. Hey, Jimmy. Thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. So, Simon. Great. Well, Simon, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am doing one thing since 21 years. I did fall in love 21 years ago with one topic, and it was the go-to-market topic. And so I had different people asking for different advice on strategy, on how to enter a market, on how to stay in the market, different questions. But the one thing that I did fall in love with was go-to-market. Because whenever I had, let's say, 30 people, and we had to solve the big problem of how to enter a market, how to win in the market, how to stay in the market, I had had their attention for three days. And after three days, I could even say, hey, guys, we need three days more. What about we stay until Monday? And they would go, of course, Simon, we skip the weekend. Of course, 
let's do this three days more because that's how relevant it is for us if we if we don't get you know entering the market staying in the market right everything else is basically not not happening so i was like wow the intellectual stimulus that i get from these big questions how can we enter this market better than our competitors can we find an angle that is different? There is no answer to that in that moment. And so I love the big question that is super relevant. There is no answer. Will we find it? I'm hooked. I love it. And then I realized, my God, I can get paid for this. Can I do this like every day? You're here. Get paid. Yes. <laughs> we love that. And yes, and not even badly, right? Because it's a huge margin on, on such a day. Zero capital costs. It's just people and, and knowledge. So wonderful business model. And it's like, ah, oh, I want to do this every day. Fast forward 21 years later, I'm still doing it every day. Amazing. When did you get the first idea like in your head of like, hold on a second, I'm good at this. I like it. And people are going to pay me for it. Like, when did that come together? I had a really wise friend, the lady to my left here, tell me that one day. I'm curious, like, when did that kind of strike you about like, oh yeah, th this could be my life. It took many iterations, but the click, the click was the team of BMW with the, the CEO of that day. It was also my birthday, coincidentally. Ooh. And uh, everybody was in the room. We had to find a good strategy on how to be more competitive and how to win and I remember that energy and that and I was happy to be spending the day with 48 top executives of this global company instead of you know wakeboarding with my friends or whatever I would do at that time and I said this is the best investment of my time here and I was so proud when we got out and then six years later this, these cars were on the street and you could see them like the the effect of our decisions in in the end materialized as the cars, the i3 and i8, and etc. that you could see on the street and say, ah. Were you able to tell your friends, you see that? That's the ultimate driving machine. I did that. I had to keep it a secret for the duration of the non-disclosure agreement that you usually have mm -hmm. as a strategy advisor. So I was waiting for the client to tell it publicly because they usually do. And that's the moment when then you can point to that article and say, hmm? <laughs> So for two years, I couldn't tell my friends, but I knew it. And that's the point. When you're a knowledge worker, two problems. One is you never know if it really works. So let's say you're a philosopher. You are Immanuel Kant of today. You go every day, you're walks. You think you're thinking. You don't really know if it works. What I mean by works, if it has real world impact. So we know today that Immanuel Kant has real <laughs> world impact but he didn't know at that time he didn't know and most people find it very hard to stay resilient to stay motivated without feeling that and so and this, that's one problem and so if you are a knowledge worker you don't actually get the feedback this week hey what you're doing is working so that was one moment of click and the second part is do you find on the other side somebody who is as passionate about the question as you are because you can be very passionate about something but you're just a nerd like i am super passionate about stuff but you're in very good company this is you're just very good company, really Simon. nerdy right and so yeah it can you know fuel your your nights maybe but it doesn't really move the needle for anybody outside of the bubble and so when these two things came together they were as passionate about the topic as i was and it 
really had impact because I could see that if we decide this, we will see something on the street that wasn't there before. And that is making us proud and many people proud who are manufacturing it, who are using it, etc. So that was for me my nerdiness, what I am good at and what the world really needs. Click, they come together. That was for me the falling in love moment. And um, I think that's a huge thing if you can experience that as a knowledge worker then I think you have found something very worth sticking with. Was there somebody in your life who first mentioned and brought Immanuel Kant to your knowledge? I started with lyrics from Bob Dylan, The Doors, some of those in my, my nerdy, nerdy world. Some of them said something about Plato, Socrates, then I went there, and then Nietzsche, and Nietzsche said something about Kant. I guess that was kind of the path of going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> and yeah, I think so. So yeah, another uh, hobby of mine is philosophy. I, I've noticed. Place. I like it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it makes me think too, you know, as you talk about sort of that first part of being a knowledge worker, which is such a cool way to describe it. I haven't thought of that. You know, we kind of use the word consultant, but at the end of the day, I love that. It sounds way more. I love it. It sounds like there's almost this element of trust, right? So sort of the trust that you are bringing this concept and you are bringing these ideas and you're bringing that communication, kind of trusting that you're on your way with the journey. How would you suggest somebody who was sort of providing that those insights, which can also be of course a mentor at the end of the day i think a lot of what we're talking about is consulting but or is knowledge working but also mentoring how can you as sort of the mentor trust that the knowledge is going to get used how it's going to get used and maybe not get frustrated this is where we start talking about process because you can only trust a process you cannot trust anything else i don't trust i personally okay. don't trust you know, i can't trust, I trust julie old... i can't trust you yeah i, I would say <laughs> that i would say that don't trust any body-mind machine in general. I don't trust people. I don't trust goals. I don't trust headlines of the newspapers. I don't trust... Do you have media. a dog at home? I don't trust any YouTuber. No, 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 no. I don't trust people I made on podcasts. Come on. No. I trust only processes. And what is a process? A process is something that's working since 100 years in different contexts. So, for example, I just started doing yoga a couple of years ago. And then... I need uh, Ashtanga yoga. Totally into it. I start doing it and I realize it's it's a process. And they even call it, they say, just do your practice and all is coming. And I was like, yes, that's the definition of trust the process. You just do your practice. Practice here, you practice sitting, you practice breathing, you practice stretching. You just do this right now. All is coming, says Ashtanga Yoga. And it's organized in series. There is the primary series, the secondary series, etc. And you go like, oh, wow. Why is this so so structured? I thought it's more spontaneous. No, there is a reason because it works in that order, and that's a process that works. And when it's you know when it's done by so many people and when it's done over such a long time, and we are talking here thousands of years, that the primary series didn't need to change because it was just working. Then you know, okay, this is a process I can trust. That's what I trust. I trust processes. I don't trust people. I don't trust situations. And that led me to develop a process that I can rely on and I'm happy to to go deeper into there. I just wrote a book about it. It's called Strategy Sprints and the process is the Strategy Sprint process, which is how to apply the scientific method to running a business. So putting up assumptions, writing down assumptions, measuring them, the experiments and executing on that. That's in a nutshell, the principles. But 
to make it a process. So you run a business, you want to run it on a process that you can trust, that you can rely upon. That was the question that I wanted to, to work on. And I did it quite, quite in a heads down way for the last seven years. I was just doing that. And now I'm heads up again because it's published, it's working, it's it's being used every day in many, many time zones. Come up. Simon, again. I'm a little worried you won't trust me at all now because I skip my sun salutations right to half pigeon every morning. Like I have to start with like a good hip opener or like I'm just not ready for the world. So I'm a little Yeah, you see, order. yeah, it's also an asana. The hip <laughs> You can so, change it. Of course you can change it. I'm then curious about your process for writing a book. You know, did you get any advice from an individual or was there somebody along the way that helped you find a process that worked for you over the seven year period? Yes, I was lucky enough to have my first boss who was somebody who had processes already because he was in the game already for the years. And at, at BMW? No, that was the consultancy where basically my first employer, the consultancy where I was working for a global consultancy operating mm -hmm. out of Switzerland. I was the junior consultant, so I tried to be in every project. Hey, me, 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 me. Oh, there is a new project coming in. Uh, who's coming to Paris? Me, 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 me. How can I help? How can I contribute? And so I always try to be in those teams that have a new project, a cool project. And, um, and those were my mentors, the people who were running that project um, and my boss. So those were my, my first mentors. Before that, I had what I call heroes, people like Bob Dylan yeah. and uh, Jim Morrison of The Doors and uh, Emmanuel Kant and Friedrich Nietzsche and those kind of guys. They were just heroes. So I could connect to them via songs, via books, but not personally. So the mentors were the people that I was in the arena with, like literally. We were going through through emotions, through stress together, and we were growing together and supporting and challenging each other and creating value. So those were my, my mentors in the first place. You mentioned that BMW room 21 years ago and in that meeting on March 30th. Is there a piece of advice, maybe something you might take from one of those first few mentors you had on those early projects? But is there a piece of advice that what you know now you would have given yourself going into that BMW strategy session room that really rings true to you today? Yeah, many, many things. Some of those I incorporated into the book, Strategy Sprints. So the teacher of my mentor was Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker was very, was shaping oh, yeah. him and was shaping all of us and is shaping most managers worldwide. But the impact he had on corporate governance, on what, what it means to do the right thing versus doing things right. So in every situation, I ask myself, what's the right thing to do? And I do this before I ask, what's the best way to do it? And a practical example is, I don't know, people talk about productivity. Can I be more productive? Yeah, use these shortcuts on the Mac, then you can type faster. I don't care about typing faster because if I'm doing the wrong thing and I'm doing it faster, it's just worse. So I try in the first place to think about what's the right thing to do right now. And that's a, a practical example of a principle that came from the mentor of my mentor from Peter Drucker, who said there is effectiveness and there is efficiency. Never go for efficiency before you have checked 
effectiveness or efficacy. First, what's the right thing to do? And when you've answered that, what's the best way of doing it? I'm going to challenge you a little bit, if that's okay, if you don't mind. I struggle with process. I very much try to make every single thing my own and have my own very special way of doing things. So when I come across a process, it's actually quite hard for me to follow. I have a terrible time following recipes. I have a terrible time following directions. I never could be in sports because a coach would coach me and I'd just be like, actually, I'm going to do it a different way. So that's why I hit record. By the way. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, for those of us who are not really process oriented, but a bit more emotions oriented or a bit more sort of energy, you know, maybe struggle a bit with that exact process. How could you as a mentor or as somebody who's working with somebody who, who is that, what would be some ways that you would help support them um, or maybe help them find the process that would work best for them? I'm just curious if you've had people like me who you've come along to work with who struggle a bit with following along on a process. Oh, that's super important. And I'm also that way think, oh, no, I can skip this. I can do it better. And then I realize, oh, no, I should have cooked that exactly the way the French chef says to do it and now I know why and so I go back and then I do it and even my own processes I try to skip them uh, I have the book strategy sprints here and um, chapter three the marketing checklist if my marketing is not working I go back to the book and go mm, which step did I again try to skip and then it's usually one of those I try to cut corners and then I get the invoice for that. That's why if you are mentoring somebody and let's say you have a great process, it's really important to be aware of two things, the adaptive side and the technical side. So the technical side is, okay, this is the process. It works since thousands of years, do it. That's the technical side. And it's okay to, to offer that to your mentee, but they will never do it 100% because the other side is the adaptive side. What is happening inside of you right now? What is emerging? What are you curious about? What are you ready for? So humans are complex. Otherwise, you know, everybody would just do Ashtanga and everybody would be thin Drive and happy BMWs. And <laughs> looking great, but, but that's not the world right now. And there are great investment processes that I'm learning right now. And I go, why is not everybody rich? because not everybody's ready to do that work. So we do the work when we are ready to do the work. And that's the adaptive part. And that's why a great coach, a great mentor has both adaptive and technical interventions in their toolkit. That's why they are great listeners first and then offering tools. Um, that's the one part. And the other is they have a good balance of direction and space. They feel when's the right moment to offer direction and say, Julie, now you cook this way versus just giving space. Let her explore. And then when you see, okay, she did her exploration. Now she's onto something. Now push her a little bit. But that's, it's a timing question. And that's why coaching is such a masterful skill, something that you can become better at forever. And you know, I am now, what changed for me over the last 21 years, I cannot be booked as a coach anymore. I train the coaches, right? There are certified strategy sprints coaches out there. And the first 60 days, they have a daily training with me. So I'm now the trainer of the coaches, coach of the coaches. And so I'm looking at these things. 
how can I teach somebody who is very good at technical skills to learn the adaptive side, more the psychology? And somebody who is very adaptive, how can I help them get more technical? Because you can be so smart and so inspiring, but nothing happens on the other side if they don't do it. Simon, I've so... never heard this technical and adaptive. I've never heard those two phrases before. This is like a total aha for me because it's so true. It is those two elements. And for some, that is like, even as a parent, you know, you kind of know, right? You have like the, this is exactly it, right? You have the technical, like this is how you should do things. But of course, if you're a parent, also, you know, you have to be flexible into their needs versus other needs. But that is such a brilliant way to describe it. And I love how you talk about helping your coaches see both sides. And I think that's a really great key point for mentors too. Some complaints that you hear about mentors or mentoring is they just like, they just told me what to do. And, you know, I didn't want to do it that way. Or it's too adaptive, which is like, well, I don't know. What do you think? And, you know, if you kind of want to help somebody get somewhere, you need to have a combination of both. That's, I've, Jimmy, have you heard of those two phrases before? I've never heard that before. If you're smarter than me, maybe you know. No, but it's a wonderful thing at HBS. Harvard Business School loves talking about technical side and adaptive side. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and yes, totally. And, and you know, you changing the primary series is something that a good yoga teacher will just watch and let you do, but they would also watch, is there a part that is overcompensating or that is avoiding a specific muscle or a specific posture? And a great teacher might see, hey, this is good for him, let him run, he, he's evolving, he's in level five already, fine. Or also he might say, hmm, I think he's avoiding that posture because that's the work for him and it's up there in that muscle. And by avoiding that, he's avoiding the work. Then he would say, can I invite you into trying something and would find a scaled down version of that to bring you back on track, mm -hmm. but in the right way that is, that is right for you in that moment. I focus on hip mobility and avoid tight hamstrings and poor ankle mobility. So you nailed it. And I'm not even, you know, a yoga teacher because that's how we learn things. That's how we learn things. We explore. And if we have a good teacher, they find what our current emergent exploratory part is and they find also the the proven part and that was my work over the last 10 years was hmm do i really need to reinvent the wheel every time i have a new coachee come on it's always the same it's a business what is a business is marketing sales operations that's it and somebody has to manage it right ideally everybody manages it that's a business cannot be that complicated. Why can't we collect all the processes that actually work and have a structure like, like the scientific method that helps you test ideas and test assumptions and see if you are right with your assumptions? It teaches you that everything that you think is an assumption in the first place and to write it down and to see if, if it validates or invalidates. And this is how I started creating a method for our clients that is now repeatable. Many said, Simon, you will not find anything that is repeatable because everybody's so unique. And I say, yeah, sure. But also everybody's so universal. They all want sales. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody has hip and hamstring problems, let's be honest. Facts, total facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon, I'm curious, you also said something, a phrase I hadn't heard before, which is the mentor of my mentor describing Peter Drucker. Have you used that phrase other times before or you know, thought in that way? Because that kind of connection point I'm thinking like in the U.S., we talk about uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon and that, you know, every actor has always somehow connected to Kevin Bacon. Like if you start thinking about that web of connections through the mentor of my mentor, you can really feel quite an affinity to a huge group. So where did you first come along to that phrase? Maybe it's because I'm European. Maybe it's because I come from philosophy. 
both uh, Europe and philosophy have a long history of people standing on the shoulders of other people. If you think of, you know, my hero, Nietzsche. Sometimes poorly. (laughs) Sometimes poorly, but always standing on the shoulders of giants, actually. Always philosophers come from a long stream, from a long tradition. And so you can go back to Plato. Whoever is your favorite philosopher, you can go back to Plato. And, And recently I was like, what was before Plato? Who was the teacher of Plato, actually? And it's not written about because usually who wins history rewrites history back and cancels everybody. So when Athens won, Plato basically canceled everybody before him as if he had invented everything. He just, everything became platonic from then. And if you dig deeper, you find that his teacher was actually Parmenides and that Parmenides had some amazing people around him. And there was a huge, huge history there and something wonderful going on, much more interesting than Platonism, actually. So that's the philosophy part where I know that behind every person, there is already a a legacy. And the other side is maybe the European side where, you know, I was born in Rome. When you are born in Rome, first time you get out with your bike, you see uh, Il Colosseo, Il Foro Romano, You see things that are so old. Immediately, you know you are not the first person here. That's how you walk around. You know you are in a stream of evolution. And, um, and you know, right now it's all saints here. And um, for some countries, it's Dias de los Muertos. They connect to the people who walked the earth before them. Yeah, that's maybe where where this comes from. I am very aware of mentors of my mentors and the schools of thought that are that I am standing upon. I didn't invent anything. Most of it was already pre-Plato. We are just refining things. So that leads me to ask, what is next? So knowing that you spend a lot of your time professionally working with others and coaching them, is there any, you know, kind of mentoring experience you've had as a mentor outside of work that that could be valuable to kind of imagine you on the next rung and right you standing you standing on somebody else's shoulders? So, how's that look? I do see ripple effects and uh, I'm very touched when I see people who who read the book, they implement it in their world and then they write us a little letter an email usually and they say, "Wow, I just implemented your book." Now I have time to spend with, with my daughter again because you know, my, my business runs better now. It's less dependent on me. I'm very touched by these things. And, and yeah, that's the reason why I wake up in the morning and I want to improve the, the method and the program and I coach the coaches because whenever there is one of those ripple effects, it's magic. Love it. I was going to say, I have a couple kind of uh, more faster rapid fire questions for you. Some of it's word associations, but to begin with, you know, there's some classic, you know, consulting terms out there that people use when first getting into a conversation with somebody. Are there some terms that like pick your brain, for example, that you would not recommend people use when either being a coach or asking for a mentoring relationship? Are there a couple terms that maybe, you know, would really grind Plato's axe per se or spear? if that's more appropriate. 
that you think are not good? Beautiful question. And it's really important because the words we use, they may look so trivial, but it's not. Every word carries a specific energy, a frequency, a, a whole philosophy behind it. So I'm actually very aware of every word that I use. And I'm very picky also with my team, which words we, we don't use. I hope. I'm not using consulting lingo uh, because there is a power in using the most simple word that you can find for something. There was an exercise where I think it was in, in Wing Chun, so basically a Kung Fu exercise, but it was a mindset exercise for us, for the warriors to keep simple. And it was, you walk around the room and whatever you see, you think in the most simple word. So you see somebody, you don't think, oh, that's Sylvia. I went with her to school. You say woman, you continue walking. You see the wall. You don't think about the color of the wall. You see, you say wall. So that exercise was just, can you be in the moment and use the most simple word for the things that you experience a very powerful exercise so whenever you you come from your experience from your profession being an engineer being a consultant you know you can be a consultant you come in and say okay what's the total addressable market of this and what's the leverage here oh my god where is the door let's escape this situation this person where uh, is the door that's a great yeah. phrase <laughs> Where's the door? The, when you hear that, the one simple word you need is door. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exit. Yeah. Simple, right? Door. Yeah. Keep it. it. Yeah. Don't use this lingo thing. In our team, we have a list of words that we don't use. One of these words is funnel. Funnel. Everybody right now, if you talk to a marketing coach right now, everybody's talking funnels. And so some people come to us because they want a better funnel. Simon. I heard you can build funnels. Can you improve my funnel? And I say, I don't know what a funnel is. I don't wanna. I don't. I don't even wanna know what this thing is. And so we changed the the because we have to map our funnels and we have to improve our funnels. So for people who don't know what is a funnel, is how you design the experience with you from somebody doesn't know you to they know you to they work with you basically. And um, which is very different for the average American college student and how they define funnel. Probably as a, we call it festival. <laughs> We call it a festival. Why? Because it's about people. It's about meeting people who are strangers at the beginning, and then you have fun with them. And with some of them, you dance. That's for us. That's so beautiful. That's how we use the word. That's so beautiful. I love it. What other words? Yeah, these are great. I'm going to invite Jimmy to my next Another... festival. We use fiesta around here, but I think festival. Fiesta. A fiesta. Yes. Yeah. yeah, much better, right? And this is a word that college students use, festival. Oh, yeah. They, they bring their funnels to the festival often, uh, but... <laughs> Oh, that's a funnel now. <laughs> I love it. That, that, that yeah, is another great. Another word is prospect mm -hmm. or lead. People talk about leads or prospects. What is this? Come on. If, if you're talking about a person, call it a person. This reminds me of one of my favorite terms, which is mind like water. So the action oh. is only the necessary action. There is no more, no less. When you drop a rock in the water, there is only the ripple and then it's flat again. Wonderful. Bruce Lee, wonderful. A masterful mentor. One of the best mentors probably that Europe had in terms of he brought Kung Fu to Europe. Right. And the way he was teaching it, wonderful. These metaphors, the 12 principles, very simple, very impactful, still principles that are still lived by, by many people after, after his life. Okay. I'm, I'm going to get to really quick, rapid fire, and then I'm going to go very broad with you. So when I say this next word, 
I'm curious, what is the one simple word you say back? So when I say mentor to you, what would be the word you say back? Listener. Mm. And when I say mentee. Explorer. How about sponsor? I don't even know what that is. Oh, that's good. And how about coach? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is amazing. Okay, now from going deep, let's go broad. Julie obviously feels moped deprived. Her college experience didn't have funnels or festivals, nor mopeds. So in 2050, going to Rome, we finished, we're at a fountain, we're having a glass of wine. And I would love to hear from you right now. How do you see mentoring change between now, 2022 and 2050? How are people going to show up for each other in a different way than we have for the last hundred years, yet follow the similar process that humans need to be repeatable and successful? So What's going to change in how we show up for each other and and how we care about each other? So 2050, we are all millionaires because we are all Bitcoiners. Everybody has on their phone at least one, one robot genius that's managing your life. So you have so much time. We can meet whenever we want. Uh, We don't have to work. Uh, We don't have to physically meet, but we will be physically together in mopeds in Rome right now, right here. It's the metaverse. Hello. So basically, we feel the urge to meet. Boom, we meet. All the technical stuff will be so super automated via AI that, you know, you have all the asanas always here in front of you. And I think mentoring is just then the emotional part, the the human to human part. Hey, how do you feel? What's overwhelming right now? Which one of your robots are are you not getting along with? Um, (laughs) I guess it's that part, right? And... um, and the rest, I'm, I'm curious. I'm so, I don't know what else will pop up. I love it. That is an amazing answer to that. The emotional part is going to be how you feel about your robots. That is Make awesome. choices wisely as you pick robots. Make choices wise, wisely. But here in 2022, we are so happy to have had you on, Simon. Thank you so much. This was definitely the zen of mentoring. And I loved everything that you brought to the conversation. Strategy Sprints is the book. I'm very excited to to pick it up and dash through it. I feel like you could give us some great ideas about how we launch and run. And we really appreciated meeting you. Thank you so much. Takeaways. No fly list, no funnels. No funnels. So true. Totally agree. I always feel like I feel bad for the people in the funnel. I feel like I don't want to market to them. I feel bad for them. They're like, to me, they're like getting stuck in this like thing and they're going down and spiraling into your funnel. It's like, that's not a kind way to look at your potential customers. The people that you're going to make an impact with. Your customers, remember that you're doing them a favor because they're going to get to buy your awesome service and their life is going to be better. I really agreed with Simon on that. It was a great example that when you take some time to not just get something done well and repeatedly, but instead make sure what you're doing matters, you get come across with really clear, but instead make sure that whatever you're doing matters, you have moments of clairvoyance and you stop trying to throw people in Charbidus's water funnel. Instead, take them to Odysseus getting home festival, the big party. I'm just on the funnel cake. But other than that, I think I have to be honest, this conversation went a little bit over my head, but I did get quite a bit out of it and actually encouraged me to explore more around this idea of the mentor of my mentor and all of these kind of languages and conversations that have happened. Although I have to be honest, Jimmy, I noticed that there was not a single female in the conversation of any of the mentors of my mentors or any of the mentors that were brought out. And I do see 
from my perspective, that there is definitely more potential for some of the, let's say, quote unquote, female traits as we roll out more of these rubrics and frameworks. And maybe potentially one of the reasons why I struggle with them is that it's not quite in my nature to be quite as linear. So I am very excited for this conversation that happens in 50 years with somebody and that the mentors of my mentor are also women and not just men. Shout out Michelle Ferguson, women mentoring, women mentoring. Exactly. And I think you said it really well, Julie, because Simon is standing on the shoulders of others. Representation matters. We need women showing how they can help not just men, not just women, but everybody as we all move along our journey. And Immanuel Kant, so many of that philosopher's quotes talk about men. And that terminology in and of itself is rapidly obsolete, if not truly obsolete hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, because it's not men or women, it is people. So instead of experience without theory is blind, but theory without experience is mere intellectual play, what the hell does that mean? Who knows? But <laughs> in a law, a man is guilty when he violates the rights of others. Should be in a law, a person is guilty. Yeah. And we do need that representation. and. That's why we're here with Augmenters showing off how we can learn from everybody. Totally, totally. And I'm excited for Simon to get to listen to more of our episodes. And uh, maybe he can find a new mentor of a mentor or a new mentor that has a little, you know, some different perspectives. So overall, I really appreciated this episode. It gave me an opportunity to be a little bit clearer about where I can take a bit of where this language is and then an opportunity to be able to do it authentically to myself as well. Here, here. And you got to give Simon some credit for his consistency on sales. I loved when we did a rapid fire word associations and he was like, mentor is listener. Mentee is explorer. Sponsor is what is that? And when I say coach, yes, please. That was great. That was really great. I appreciated that. So if you have not yet had a chance to check out Strategy Sprints, Simon's book, it is available where all excellent strategy sprinting books are. And um, thanks so much, Simon, for your time. We hope this episode was brief yet bright, and now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about, someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.